Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Mood Unfiltered with Tiffany Wicks and my podcast partner here. Richard Maya in the house. How are you, Richard? I'm good. I'm good. I had a nice long week. I've been catching up on some research, some readings, some books I've been reading. I've been I've been in a good place recently. How about you, Tiffany? Uh, same long week, but in busy week, but, um, it's getting better as the days go by. So I'm grateful for the weekend as well. And just some much needed rest for the rest of the month. So, um, so let's kind of jump in if you don't mind, Richard, um, the Olympics, um, you know, I have to admit, I don't necessarily watch a lot of the Olympics, but I have been more following, the um, mixed reviews and the news surrounding the mental health of the athletes. Uh, Richard, do you watch the Olympics? I personally don't. I have friends that do. I have one of my coworkers, like he was talking to me how he loves the Olympics and he loves his feeling of patriotism and so much pride when he watches like athletes play these sports and show out the country. Like what's up? I personally don't, but over the last few weeks, um, the Olympics has got a lot of attention, not necessarily on sports, but on a lot of aspects of life that aren't, like, the light isn't shut it on for athletes as much. Yeah. For example, mental health has really been a big topic in the Olympics now, more so than recently. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what more about what I'm uh, watching and seeing going on in the world. And it's actually been pretty um, incredible to witness just knowing that we're talking a little bit more about mental health and talking about sports performance and mental health and um, just the pressure that that faces. So the first you know, person that comes to mind is Simone Biles. And some of you as our listeners have um, heard about Simone Biles stepping away from the all-around competition and some of her team competitions um, for her own mental health. Um, there was a couple of things, though, that came up for her. Um, first, it was revealed that her aunt died while she was in Tokyo. Um, and so that grieving process is a huge aspect of uh, mental health. And then the second is that um, her medicine for ADHD was originally banned in Tokyo, and she did have to get special permission for that. And so some of these things are a culmination of um, mental health barriers and then that athletic pressure to perform and to be perfect and be strong. And, you know, she's called the greatest of all time. And so I can only imagine what that looks like in that buildup to be the best and also maintain your mental health. Um, you know, a lot of athletes have weighed in, um, especially Michael Phelps, who was talking, he's been very open about his depression. Um, and he was very big in the 2012 Olympics for swimming. Um, and so talks a lot about like supporting Simone Biles and the fact that um, athletes are human beings and that there's so much of a um, kind of a pedestal that they're placed on literally and figuratively. And it's really difficult for them to be seen as human beings and seen as somebody that struggles um, with some of those mental health things that you and I, you know, would face as um, non-athletes. So 
Um, there's been also a couple, you know, Naomi Osaka, um, who pulled out. Um, there's been several different athletes just kind of speaking out in support. Um, but just also thinking about like um, the barriers that they're facing in Japan, like I mentioned. So there's an article from the Washington Post, um, and this was just recently posted, uh, written by Simone Denyer and Julia Mio Inuma. Hope I said that correctly. Um, talking about Japan's mental health and some of the athletes that are facing severe pressure with nowhere to go. And so Japanese gymnast Mai Murakami, um, she kind of had a breakdown because she's been getting a lot of these hateful comments. Um, There's a lot of Japanese people who didn't want the Olympics to happen this year. Um, And so they have been um, kind of, degrading her and um again sending some of these really detrimental comments to her um and she's had a breakdown from this um but here's the thing about japan and this also kind of plays into the u.s um aspects of it is um japan has one of the highest rates of suicide and so um which when i was doing the research for these articles Japan's uh, rate of suicide is um, one rank higher than the than the United States. So both countries are severely suffering with mental health issues. Yet s- Japan is highly stigmatized for mental health issues. So there's very little counseling opportunities, um, very little mental health medications, and so there's a huge set of barriers. So when you think about U.S. Olympic athletes, you think about COVID and the lack of travel and so that their team is a lot smaller. They may not be able to bring their therapist, those kinds of things. And then also being there so very long in the country and not having the access to counseling, all of those things compound. And so you've got mental health issues, performance pressure, lack of medication potentially, and then lack of resources. I can't even imagine being an athlete in Tokyo at the Olympics right now. Um, Richard, what are your thoughts? I used to be an athlete way back in my day in high school and in college briefly. Uh, I used to play football and sports was such an avenue of comfort, of relief. It was kind of like my escape from a lot of personal issues going on in my life. It was kind of a healthy distraction, as I like to call. And when I wasn't playing sports in my life, it was kind of when I felt like I was at a low. I didn't have something to look forward to. I didn't have much things to look forward to beyond sports. So as an athlete, when you're so invested in a sport, if you're training, if you're time with your peers, to be so invested in a sport and have time taken away from you, like Simone might have briefly lost or these other athletes might have lost, you feel very out of place because you're not doing something that you've committed a good portion of your time to. And so I think when it comes to taking a time off for one's own health, is widely debated if 
something you should do or can do. I also think it depends. I think it depends on the person, depends on the circumstance, depends on the situation. Like now, we're in a very weird time in human history with we're still in COVID. We're still trying to figure out what to do, what the right things to do. There's a lot of like more questions to ask. Like if we should have this event take place here, should you do these things over here? Should I make this decision? So I think there's a lot going on. Like the, the, the Olympics were supposed to happen last year. Mm-hmm. Like this is called the 2020 Olympics. We're in 2021. Right. And who knows? And also like, who knows if the, um, that's like there's as much fans coming out to the Olympics this year than it would have been in last year, like without COVID. So like definitely tourism could be taking a hit. And I just think it's always something to be mindful that going out of the sport, like the decision to go out of the sport has to be worth the cost of not being involved in it and mm. like i said earlier like in my experience not being in the sport while still participating as an athlete it's very harmful so i would just imagine and hope that these athletes like their time away from the sport is for like their own good so mm. i wouldn't think simone or shikari or neoni or others they wouldn't voluntarily up out of the sport if it wasn't for the best if it wasn't the best thing that they can do right um and that's such a hard decision you're absolutely right but i mean and i you bring up a really good point about a couple good points the first is so no tourists are allowed in the country um they've banned tourists um from coming to japan because of covid and so it's the Olympians and their team. And even in the opening ceremonies, it was, uh, I know our president was there, but, um, you know, potentially dignitaries and then uh, the team, right? So they're like their sports team that they, they bring with them. Um, and then the athletes were on the floor. And so not even having fans cheer you on and having that support, I can't imagine what that, adds to it as well the other really good point that you made though is it is a double-edged sword right like you take care of your mental health and yet at the same time you're missing out on the thing that you've trained for sometimes your whole life or even especially for years and so looking at the cost benefit of does this take more of a toll in my mental health um such a difficult decision what are you? What are your thoughts on this? Um, even just this idea of being in a foreign country, looking at these mental health barriers. Like, what are your thoughts about that as kind of a, a, a former athlete, um, and kind of just that access to? That calls to action the importance of more telehealth technologies, telehealth services. Call to action to get these services like more prominent in not just the U.S. but in other countries. Mm-hmm. It definitely calls to action to get more professionals trained in telehealth to be like readily available, or to prompt organizations or companies or even nonprofits to kind of get these services like out and about and ready. Um, but I also think like 
there's definitely an economic backlash for this lack of tourism. Like, the country of Japan isn't really benefiting from the Olympics because there's no right. as much tourism. I think N- NBC, who's like hosting the Olympics and coverage units, um, I think they spend like $7 billion tr- mm. to cover it. And so who's to say they're making as much money? If they're making money back, if they even make money in the past before, I can't really say for, for sure. But you know, who's to say like they gain as much advertising advertising dollars? And I'm sure like this a lot of this um, this backlash you get from all these different athletes isn't really benefiting NBC. So I I just want these athletes to be okay with their decisions because some athletes like sports is all they have in their whole life you know like you always you you rarely hear about athletes after they retired Mm. like you rarely hear about them after they're retired unless they're in like a unless they're as like a sports commentator or sports analyst and then that maybe they're more prominent but you know like athletes who are in sports for a long period of time you know that's all they have yeah like what do you do afterwards you know, yeah. so there's always that argument like you know like if sports is your life then like where are you like I, yeah. I don't know I don't know Simone I don't want to make any assumptions but who's to say like after her gymnast career like she has plans for after she's retired because she you can't do this like you can't do these kind of high impact activities like when you're 40 right. when you're 50 maybe she could be a coach but like, what do I know? But you know, like a lot of these athletes were like in the NFL or, or in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They've been they're notorious. Like after they're retired, they've been notorious to go broke afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, what do you do? Like, what are you doing in the meantime of being an athlete? You know, what what are you committing some of your time to? Or are you committing some of your time to self help, to learning other skills, learning other crafts? You know, are you getting necessary? prep tools in events a mental health crises can happen mm-hmm. so it's a lot of weird things um and there's always and there's there's, there's these counter arguments you're getting from people of like you know maybe should, should these athletes take some time off why are these athletes taking time off at all there's always some debates i do have one concern i do have one concern that i kind of want to voice and i kind of want to hear your opinion if would you agree or disagree or the audience agrees or disagree is I'm concerned that as valid as Simone's excuse to take some time off, I'm concerned where it I'm happy like some people could take time off for whatever they're doing and for the sake of their mental health. I'm concerned that people will use mental health as an excuse mm. for taking time off for something that's important or like life-changing and that's not to belittle actual people's experiences but let's just say like something's like on the line like let's just say like you have like a, a business meeting that's like very important for you for your company like you're the main stakeholder of this company and you just can't make this meeting because you have a mental health crises and I just don't want people to opt in to mental health as the immediate excuse because mm-hmm. it might 
almost it's like that almost it's like valid and there's a lot of context to consider like a lot of background information to consider i'm just concerned like it's just prompts people to want to use it as like the as a scapegoat for certain things and I, the olympics is like the stage of the world and you know who knows what's going on in simone's head i just i'm just concerned with people wanting to use it as a scapegoat when they may not have actual mental health issues going on mm. you know yeah what i'm hearing you say is like using it as like abusing it's is importance right like um and I hear what you're saying. I think that's so hard to determine. And you're right. I mean, I do think that some people will abuse the fact that this is becoming more of a spoken about topic and a normalized topic. And so while we're praising this idea of taking a break and doing what you need to do for your mental health, there may be people out there um, to use this as I wouldn't even say just a, a scapegoat, but um, to kind of like use mental health as, I mean, a, an abuse, right? So, because right. how do you differentiate? How do you differentiate people who are using mental health as a valid excuse between people who are using mental health to kind of get out of something, just don't feel like doing? Like, just now, there's going to be yeah. people to try and filter and. Now, because you know, a mental health experience is very indiv- individualistic versus yeah. collective. So you always have to. It's a, always a, it's a weird fine line. But I am glad to have these discussions so we can kind of explore these issues more closely, and yeah. you know, not like, and not like hide these things in the back of our head, but to paint a better picture for like, hey, let's let's talk about this. Yeah, you know, it's gosh, it's just I can't even imagine what that would look like because I think that again it's becoming more normalized to believe people about these mental health issues so I would hope I really really hope that there's not abuses in it because we've come so far in our in our mental health um like talks in society right to just be I mean to be at the point where counseling is not this anomaly and that there's something wrong with you that you have to be fixed. It's a huge undertaking to go to counseling, but a lot of people are supportive and praising this. Like, um, I hope that that is not a thing um, in the future and that we're not going to be seeing this as um, an issue because I would hate for us to go backwards um, with all the progress that's been made. But, you know, so, I mean, I'm actually glad that like, we do normalize talking about mental health because now it's opened up an avenue of discussion, like, with others, whether they're professionals or not, and be like, hey, let's talk about this. You know, right. what's going on? Just kind of, like, shed light on issues that should be more discussed. You know, like, there's been a lot of controversy recently about Shikari Richardson yeah. and her weed debacle. And, you know, weed has been studied clinically and medicinally, and it's Con- although it's controversial, right? It's becoming more and more normalized in a lot of different states, and like even though other countries aren't as prominent in recognition of drugs and like in drugs as treatments, you know, maybe this calls for attention for Japan to look at to really reevaluate the efficacy of their drugs. You right. know, a lot of people rely on ADHD medication. Maybe if people in Tokyo or Japan 
they start to reevaluate their views on medication related to ADHD, like Adderall or Ritalin. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but yeah, oops. Ritalin. Mm-hmm. Ritalin. Excuse me. Like if they reevaluate their views on them, maybe this could help more people, yeah. and this can kind of improve the mental health of Japan. And I'm sure like they've had these discussions before, but I'm just speaking out loud from someone who's in the field itself but someone who's also like you know wants to make the world better make the wider world better for mental health right there's so much conversation yet to be done but at the same time like you know the fact that like you were saying it's the world stage right and we're having these conversations at the forefront and not just the athletic performance i would hope that japan takes a second look i would hope that there's more conversation there um, but even just for us on the home front, um, to make it more normalized, to hear people, to be able to understand the pressures that come with day-to-day life, but performance in general, not just athletic performance, but performance in general, because we are such a performance-driven society and figuring out like how we support others and have these open conversations so that people are getting the help preventatively instead of having some of these like reaching their break their the brink you know their their breaking point um any other final thoughts i think this is just a good call to action i said i said that before i'll say it again on not just the importance of increasing access to telehealth but also maybe something to consider for all athletes, non-athletes to use tools to kind of help with your mental health. For example, for focused breathing, a technique I always try to advocate because it's just so easy to do and so doable and practical is just focused breathing, whether it's like taking deep breaths in through your nose and right back out your mouth as a kind of way to de-escalate whatever internal feelings you're feeling as well as like other methods such as like more holistic approaches, whether it's certain food choices, whether it's talking to someone who you can, who's in proximity that you trust. And I just think it's always ideal. We just work on making more strategies to deal with mental health. And that way we can readily use them whenever it's would be most convenient and most helpful just for our own endeavors and for our career choices too. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, Simone's a, from what I'm aware of, Simone's a beast. She has like she 30 is. plus medals under her belt. Yeah, she's as old as I am. She's 24. I mean, I think we, I think we, I think we could give her some slack. Oh, absolutely, for <laughs> sure. Um, all right, Richard, where can we find you? Alrighty, so a few things. So you could find me on my own website at www.wellroundedstudios.com. There'll be a link in the description down below also i'm having my own podcast which i am working out more and more as the weeks progress it's called the motown gang podcast oh fun yes it's going to be on youtube for videos and also on all well, it should be on most major podcasting platforms where i kind of just talk to my friends we kind of just go over topics that we're so interested in I have one later today with my friend. He's very, he's very into fighting. He started his own YouTube channel. I'm like really excited for him. I want to kind of 
see what's going on in his head about how his views about fighting, how it kind of goes beyond just fighting, but mostly just self-confidence and such. I'm also just happy he's has his own YouTube channel. So we're going to help each other grow a little bit. And also, find me at, on, on our blog, I make a lot of articles. I wrote one recently about thought disorders, which are our last podcast episode should be there too. I might even make another one related to this podcast and embed the episode there. So if you listen to our podcast on our website, if you really wanted to, you can find me at www.moodclap.com slash blog. Tiffany, where can we find you? Um, so you can also find me at www.moodcollab.com. I am the director of clinical services at um, Mood Wellness Collaborative. Um, and I um, also have my own personal website, which is tiffanywicks.com. If you just want to find any more of my research or um, any of my other endeavors. Um, but we want to just thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to our podcast and just spending time with us today. Um, if you do have a, a few more minutes listening to Richard's podcast too, I'm so excited to listen to it, Richard. So um, we hope you have a wonderful day and this is Mood Unfiltered.